the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? If you want to be inspired, get help in becoming all you can be, the time is now for Like It Matters Radio with your host, Mr. Scott V. Black. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am your blessed radio host, your radio life caddy, and you can call me Mr. Black. And I'm so honored uh, that you are joining me today. I'm so honored uh, for those of you that choose to make Like It Matters Radio a regular part of your day. Uh, I don't know of anything else out there. Uh, that has our three premises, inspirational, educational, and applicational. You know, your time has value, and if you're going to spend it, I want you to get a good return on your investment. And so that's why I do Like It Matters Radio. And so I'm glad you're joining us today, and today we're going to go deep. Um, we're going to take a look at what's going on in the world uh, and then uh, answer the question why it matters, why it matters, and how do we take that from this uh, uh, global uh, experience to make it into a personal experience. And today's show is called It's the Narrative, Stupid. I, I know that's a t- weird title. I love the titles that I, we come up with uh, with these shows. Sometimes Val helps my wife. Sometimes God just gives it to me. But, you know, uh, about 30 minutes ago, I was recording uh, yesterday, uh, tomorrow's show uh, and then figuring, hey, I should probably get ready for today's show. What am I going to call it? I'm not sure. But I do want to talk about it's the narrative, stupid. And let me tell you why this came up with. If you remember back in the old day when Bill Clinton was running, I think it was 90, uh, 92, I think it was, um, when he was running against, uh, who was he running against? George Bush's, uh, uh, I think it was uh, one of his, I forgot who he was running against. But anyways, uh, their, their mantra over and over and over was it's the economy, stupid. It's the economy, stupid. It's the economy, stupid. They wanted to keep Bill Clinton focused on the only real important issue. And at that time in the history of this world, uh, it was our pocketbooks. Uh, because, you know, America's used to doing good and uh, we weren't doing that good. And so it's the economy, stupid. Let's be honest. If we did a, a, a slogan like that today, uh, we would say it's the hatred, stupid. Because nothing else matters except whether you hate Donald Trump or not. Everything, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter if you're for abortion or against abortion. It doesn't matter if you believe in the Bible or don't believe in the Bible. It's, it's the hatred, stupid. So you either hate Donald Trump, uh, and if you hate Donald Trump, then you hate all those people who don't hate him, or you don't mind Donald Trump. You think that he's doing some work that needs to be done. You might not like him as a person. You wouldn't hang out with him. You wouldn't let him babysit your kids. I fall in that category. But without a doubt, he's the man for the job. We need to start doing something different. This this world, this country is going to hell in a handbasket. And the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. That's just crazy. Do something different. So today on Like It Matters Radio, we're talking about it's the narrative, stupid. 
And what I like to do is I always like to uh, open with some words of prose, if at all possible. Taps in the right side of the brain. And this is by uh, John Greenleaf Whittier. It's called Maud Muller. Maud Muller on a summer's day raked the meadow sweet with hay. Beneath her torn hat glowed the wealth of simple beauty and rustic health. Singing, she wrought in her merry glee, the mockbird echoed from his tree. But when she glanced to the far-off town, white from its hill slope look, looking down, the sweet song died in a vague unrest, and a nameless longing filled her breast, a wish that she hardly dared to own for something better than she had known. The judge rode slowly down the lane, smoothing his horse's chestnut mane. He drew his bridle in the shade of the apple trees to greet the maid, and asked a drought from the spring that flowed through the meadow across the road. She stooped where the cool spring bubbled up and filled for him her small tin cup, and blushed as she gave it, looking down on her feet so bare, her tattered gown. Thanks, said the judge, a sweeter draught from a fairer hand would never quaffed. He spoke of the grass and flowers and trees, of the singing birds and humming trees, then talked of haying and wondering whether the cloud in the west would bring foul weather. And Maud forgot her briar-torn gown and her graceful ankles bare and brown, and listened while a pleased surprise looked from her long-lashed hazel eyes. At last, like one who for delay seeks a vain excuse, he rode away. Maud Muller looked and sighed, ah, me, that I the judge's bride might be. He would dress me up in silk so fine and praise and toast me at his wine. My father should wear a broadcloth coat. My brother should sail a painted boat. I dressed my mother so grand and gay, and the baby should have a new toy each day. And I'd feed the hungry and clothe the poor, and all should bless me who left our door. The judge looked back as he climbed the hill and saw Maud Muller standing still. A form more fair, a face more sweet, never hath it been my lot to meet. And her modest answer and graceful air show her wise and good as she is fair. Would she be mine and I today, like her, a harvester of hay? No doubtful balance of rights and wrongs, nor weary lawyers with endless tongues, but low of cattle and song of birds, and health and quiet and loving words. But he thought of his sisters proud and cold, and his mother vain of her rank and gold. So closing his heart, the judge rode on, and Maud was left in the field alone. But the lawyer smiled that afternoon when he hummed in court an old love tune, and the young girl mused beside the well till the rain on the unraked clover fell. He wedded a wife of richest dower, who lived for fashion as he for power. Yet oft in his marble hearse bright glow, he watched a picture come and go. And sweet Maud Muller's hazel eyes looked out on their innocent surprise. Oft, when the wine in the glass was red, he longed for the wayside well instead. And closed his eyes on his garnished rooms to dream of meadows and clover blooms. And the proud man sighed with a secret pain, Ah, that I would free again. Free as when I rode that day where the barefoot maiden raked her hay, she wedded a man unlearned and poor, and many children played round her door. But care and sorrow and childbirth pain left their traces on heart and brain. And oft when the summer sun shone hot on the new mown hay in the meadow lot, 
And she heard the little spring brook fall over the roadside through the wall. In the shade of the apple tree again, she saw a rider draw his rein. Gazing down with timid grace, she felt his pleased eyes read her face. Sometimes her narrow kitchen walls stretch way into stately halls. The weary wheel to a spinet turned, the tallow candle and astral burned, and for him who sat by the chimney log, do dozing and grumbling over pipe and mug. A manly form at her side she saw, and joy was duty and love was law. Then she took up her burden of life again, saying only it might have been. Alas for maiden, alas for judge, for rich repiner and household drudge, God pity them both, and pity us all, who vainly the dreams of youth recall. For all of sad words or tongue or pen, the saddest are these, it might have been. Ah, well, for us all some sweet hope lies, deeply buried from human eyes. And in the hereafter angels may roll the stone away from its grave away. You know, so true, so powerful, so wrapped up. You know, we get so wrapped up in what might have been. We get so wrapped up in what's fair, what's right. And ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to talk about Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking, one of the most intelligent men to ever live, who died this week. I want to talk about him and I want to talk about his impact. I want to talk about his life. I also want to compare it to other people's lives. Because I want to make the point, ladies and gentlemen... It's really not what happens to us in life that makes us who we are. we got to get this. What matters in life is the narrative, how we explain it to ourselves. See, we only live life one time, but then we live inside of our thoughts, inside of our machinations, inside of those things that we think about over and over and over. And I'm going to tell you here today on Like It Matters Radio, it's the narrative, stupid. It does not matter what someone has done to you. It doesn't matter whether life should get a 15-yard penalty for unnecessary roughness. What matters is how we explain our life to ourselves. It's not what happens to us that matters. It's the narrative, stupid. Today on Like It Matters Radio, let's go deep. Hi, this is Mr. Black. In order to grow into mature adults, we need food. If we are to grow in our relationship with God, we need the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Every day on wayofwarrior.blog, I share God's word and unpack its meaning so you can apply it in your daily walk and grow with God. If your desire is to grow into the likeness of Christ and be all He created you to be, go to wayofwarrior.blog and click the follow button to receive this daily sustenance. Wayofwarrior.blog. That's wayofwarrior.blog. Still need more of Mr. Black? Understand how your brain is wired with brain mapping. This innate intelligent profile will identify your personality and learning styles to help you maximize your potential. Transformational Leadership Awakening has changed the life of hundreds of participants. It can change yours too. Mr. Black also does one-on-one -on -one life caddy work. If you want him to walk with you and help you be your dreams, then having Mr. Black as a life coach is the answer. Training is available on an individual basis and company-wide. All at likeitmatters.net. 
Have you experienced anxiety, fear, shame, and embarrassment from owing back taxes? Hi, I'm Kathy Hill, founder of Tax Tiger. If you happen to have unpaid or unfiled taxes, I'm here to offer you some hope. Tax Tiger can protect you from the IRS, release wage and bank levies, and negotiate awesome settlements. Above all, Tax Tiger is a company which operates based on Christian principles. If you have an IRS problem, call us today at 612 888 9522 for a free consultation. You can trust Tax Tiger to provide an honest evaluation of your situation. If we can save you money, we'll explain how and answer all of your questions so you'll know exactly where you stand. Call Tax Tiger today at 612-888-9522. You could be closer to financial freedom than you think and you need a tiger on your side. That number again is 612-888-9522 or visit us online at taxtiger.com. I've been to training put on by Tony Robbins and Zig Ziglar, but I've never walked away with a growth experience like I did with the Leadership Awakening. Are you stuck in a rut? Have you leveled life's undulating line and flatlined your hopes and dreams? The time is now to attend Leadership Awakening with Mr. Black. Not since my Ranger training in the U.S. Army have I been pushed to see and feel the abilities I have to live life to the fullest. During this three-day life boot camp, you will clean up your thinking and restart your heart, helping you have the passion and enthusiasm your life's been missing. My heart was spiritually mended. I'm excited about living my life like it matters. By far the best 46 hours I've ever spent. Graduates leave Leadership Awakening refocused with the biggest feeling of self-confidence and a renewed passion and enthusiasm for their business and their personal lives. Call now and commit to giving and getting more from life. 817-502-1554 or email me at mr.black at likeitmatters.net. That's mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters Information, uh, (laughs) Inspiration, Education, Application. Hey, you know, it's hard to read and talk at the same time. I just found that out on live radio. I'm reading reading about Stephen Hawking and then wanting to talk at the same time. You know, it's coming from the same place, so it's kind of hard at times. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters Inspiration, Education, and Application. And when it's live... Yep, you see sometimes what a bumbling fool I can be. But hey, difference about me and most people out there, I don't let my mistakes stop me. You know, if you think about it, you know, would you call someone like Thomas Edison a failure? You know, Thomas Edison, suppose, I don't know, a thousand, I don't know if it's 10,000, but it's in the thousands, came up with thousands of ways not to invent the light bulb. What some of you would call failures, but you wouldn't think of Thomas Edison as a failure today. Matter of fact, would you call people like Ray Kroc, um, uh, Colonel Sanders, um, Abraham Lincoln, Sam Walton, um, Mary Kay, would you call any of those people a failure? And if you don't know why I'm bringing up those names, then you might want to read a book now and then that doesn't have smutter vampires in it. Because, ladies and gentlemen, most of the, the people I just mentioned, I don't think any of them had much success at all. Before the age of 50, 5 zero. But those are famous people today. And I want you to think about it. We know those people. And we don't know their failures. We know their successes. We know about the millions or billions of dollars that they control, possess, have passed on. And see, that's what's so powerful. You know, our legacy is something that we pass on, it's like an inheritance. 
you know, pass things on. You know, when uh, my kids were younger, I was a single dad for about uh, eight, ten years. Uh, and when I take my kids to school, Faith and Christian, I always get in the car, hug them and kiss them, even though Christian hated that. And I would say two things to them. I'd say, number one, remember who you are. And two, I'd say be a leader. Remembering who they are was important because they were a child of God. They were raised with good values. They knew that we're to do everything as if we're doing it unto God and not to man. They know that everything we do as a representative of Jesus Christ reflects on him. We're either bringing people closer to God or scaring them away. So they knew, you know, our last name is Black. So I said, Blacks are the smartest in the class. Blacks are the leaders. Blacks are the ones listening to, to teachers no matter what anybody else is doing. Do you see what I'm saying? And the second thing I would say is be a leader. Be a leader because people are looking for people to follow. And I know the rules. I know what's acceptable in my household. I know what my kids have been raised with. I know what they've seen and haven't seen. I know I've been very much in control of that. And I know my kids are on the narrow path. I know my kids are walking with God. I know my kids are going to do the right things. I know my kids have good hearts because I've helped them become that. And so if somebody's going to be following somebody else, I want them to be leading, not following, because I know where they're going. I know their direction. But I don't know where those other people are going. And that's the legacy, things we pass on. Even my kids on their own right now, they don't have a lot of time for dad, and they feel strong enough in today's culture to, to tell me all my shortcomings as a parent. But they have values and beliefs that are instilled in them, structure that make them the outstanding human beings they are. I know what I did for them. I know the sacrifice I made. I know that their life is 100,000 times better than my childhood. Whether they realize or not, that's between them and God. But that is the legacy. And that's why today's show is called It's the Narrative, Stupid. Because I'm going to tell you over and over and over again, it does not matter what happens to us in life. What matters is how we respond to it. What matters is the narrative, how we explain it over and over and over. And that's why it's called It's the Narrative, Stupid. Remember when Bill Clinton was running for office in 92, or I don't know if it was 92 or 96, his re-election. But his motto was, it's the economy, stupid. Whenever he would get sidetracked, whenever he would go off on a tangent, they would remind him, it's the economy, stupid. Go back to the economy. And I said earlier, if today we have a slogan today, it would be, it's the hatred, stupid. Because America's all about hatred. It's all about hatred. you got to hate Donald Trump, and if you don't hate Donald Trump, they hate you. you got to be willing to burn down his house. you got to be willing to rape his wife. you got to be willing to disown anybody that even knows him, thinks okay of him, or does anything. And the problem is, you know, hate is an uncontrolled fire. And so now we're hating everything. We're killing our kids. We're trashing each other. Races hate each other. Sexes hate each other. Boy, this hate thing is getting out of control like some of those fires in California. Just burn out of control. Be careful of this fire you start because, boy, that fire is uncontrollable. It can burn millions of acres, destroy tens of thousands of people's lives. And so today's show is called It's the Narrative, Stupid. Because we just lost Stephen Hawking. He's dead. He's dead. And boy, you know, it's interesting. We're always going to find out, those that don't believe in God, after you take your last breath, you'll find out if you're right or wrong pretty quick. Pretty quick. And the reason this came about is, you know, I have listeners all over the world. Uh, by the way, if you just stumbled on this radio program, I'm on the radio every single day for an hour at least. Some days, two hours, sometimes two and a half hours. So go to iHeartRadio. If you don't know this, you can listen anywhere in the world through iHeartRadio. This app on your phone, app on your computer. Just go to um, uh, iHeart and then search 
Wellness Radio 1570, Wellness Radio 1570, every Monday through Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, and then replayed 5 to 6, there we are, right there. We're in a lot of local communities as well. All you got to do is go to likeitmattersradio.com, and you'll see that. But I have listeners all over the country. I have listeners all over the world. I have a big fan base in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And there's a couple of people there who led to Christ. I text them every day. And so one of my guys, the head of my fan club there in Sao Paulo, Brazil, Nivaldo Conti, sent me this. He said, uh, he sent me a picture of Stephen Hawking, Hawking. And he says, in my work in scientific research in the field of science, Hawking as Einstein always inspired me. He ended with another brilliant mind that goes. And then I sent back to him, uh, and he's applauding and doing prayer hands. I said, uh, Nivaldo, he hated God. So his brilliant mind refused to believe in God. And he has helped many through his writings and teachings refuse to believe in God. And then he sent back some other stuff and all that. But it really made me think about that. Because really, I used to say, you know, Dawkins and Hawking, Dawkins and Hawking have done more to scare people away from God than anybody else. And they're so smart. So DailyMail.com, 315-18, Stephen Hawking dead. Stephen Hawking's second ex-wife, who once faced allegations of abuse against him, claims ladies' man proposed to her twice after the divorce and says death is a relief for him from his disabilities. Physicist Professor Stephen Hawking died this morning at his Cambridge home. His children have praised his courage and persistence that inspired millions. Scientists diagnosed with motor neuron disease in 1963 and given two years to live. That was it. So I, I want to know, was he born with this? So I went to uh, Answers.com and says, was he born disabled? And it said, no. He suffers from a generative disease. Stephen Hawking was born on January 8, 1942 in Oxford, England. At an early age, Hawking showed a passion for science and the sky. At age 21, while studying cosmology at the University of Cambridge, he was diagnosed with a myth, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. Despite his building illness, he has, got, he has done brown, groundbreaking work in physics and cosmology and has several books have helped to make science accessible to even the eldest of Frank and Isabel Hawking's four children. Think about that. So at 21 years old, he comes out with a debilitating disease. He was only supposed to live a couple years. And he lived a lot longer than that. Wrote 15 books starting a lot of um, little things that the world loves, the Simpsons, the Big Bang Theory, Star Trek. His 1988 book, A Brief History of Time, sold more than 10 million copies. Hawking married Jane Wilde in 1965 and had children, Robert, Lucy, and Tim. They divorced in 1991, which was 26 years later, and he married his former nurse, Elaine Mason, in 1994. Elaine claims death was a relief to him and says he proposed after the divorce. Tributes for the brilliant mind whose courage and humor was an inspiration. And you know, the sad part is he is known today for what he has taught people, that there is no God. Matter of fact, him and, uh, what is it, uh, what's the other one, uh, Richard Dawkins? Oh my gosh, Richard Dawkins, I talk about him all the time, is an atheist. Is well known for his criticism of creationism. And intelligent design. In The Blind Watchmaker, he argues against the watchmaker analogy. 
his argument for the existence of a supernatural creator based upon the complete complexity of living organisms. Instead, he describes evolutionary processes as analogous to blind watchmaker in their reproduction. Blah, 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 blah. Give me the smartest person in the world and be dumb in God's eyes. The Bible says that. You know, these same people that won't believe in a virgin birth, that won't believe in a creation that covered seven days, but will believe in multiple universes, will believe in alien spores, will believe that we came out of ooze over a million years. Always tell people, take something that's non-life and turn it into life. I'll give you a billion years. See if you can do it in a lab. You can't do it. That's just silly. That's just stupid. But yet, he gave a lot of peace and reason to hate God and to hate other people. Now, you got to think about this. I thought about this with Stephen Hawking. He's got to be angry. He's got to be bitter. I mean, his greatest thing, his greatest accomplishment is his mind. Who gave him his mind? <laughs> he didn't make his mind what it is. It's not him that made himself. Right? That's how he was created. He was gifted by God. It's kind of like Solomon. Solomon was so wise, the wisest man who ever lived. That he was so wise, he didn't have to follow God's own principles that he told everybody else. And so today, on Like It Matters Radio, I'm going to compare Stephen Hawking to somebody else who, at 17 years old, had a diving accident in 1967. Johnny Erickson Tata, quadriplegic, for the rest of her life after that diving accident, has never moved, has never walked. And I want to talk about her bitterness, her anxiety. Her hatred. And well, you're going to find out there's not much of that at all. She instead took her struggles, her unfairness of life, her pain, her terrible situation, and she's used it to help people. That's why on Like It Matters Radio, today's show title is called It's the Narrative, Stupid. It's not what happens to us in life that matters, it's the narrative of how we explain it to ourselves. Did you know approximately 980 Minnesotans will be diagnosed with pancreatic cancer this year? Only 88 will live to see the year 2022. These are not simply statistics. Every one of those diagnosed represents someone's mother, father, sister, brother, colleague, or friend. Pancreatic cancer is the world's toughest cancer with a five-year survival rate of just 9% in the U.S. The Pancreatic Cancer Action Network is determined to improve patient outcomes today and double survival by 2020. But we need your help. We are the only organization with a nationwide grassroots army inspiring over 1 million people to take action and accelerate progress in the fight to end pancreatic cancer. We must do more and demand urgent action to save lives. Find out how you can join the fight by visiting pancan.org. That's P-A-N-C-A-N dot org. Pancan.org. Selfless service is the guiding principle that drives Army National Guard soldiers to be always ready whenever disaster strikes. Every Army National Guard member serves not only to protect the nation, but also their local communities, so they each have a stake in the security and well-being of the neighborhoods where they live and work. They are your next-door neighbors and your colleagues in schools, offices, and factories. Since the early days of our republic, the Army National Guard has continued its timeless commitment to guarantee peace and security for all 
all Americans a proud legacy which has endured for nearly four centuries. To be a Guard soldier is to stand ready to serve at all times for family, for community, and for country. Selfless service, it's what inspires the men and women of the Army National Guard to be part of something greater than themselves. To learn more, log on to NationalGuard.com or contact an Army National Guard recruiter in your area. Sponsored by the Minnesota Army National Guard. Aired by the Minnesota Broadcasters Association and this station. When I attended the Leadership Awakening workshop, I didn't know what to expect, but I was open. The tools taught at Leadership Awakening helped me discover things about myself that were holding me back from being all God created me to be. Providential? That word coins these life-changing classes because I now realize there are works God has already created for me to walk in, and these workshops helped me to see this more clearly. I received practical insights that I am already applying to be a more focused businesswoman, influential mom to my two teenagers, an eight-and-a-half-year-old son, and patient and passionate wife. I got rid of a lot of clutter in my head. BS, they call it. Belief systems that were not serving me. If you want to know what it means to empower others instead of trying to control them, if you want to build a productive team in two days, if you want to press the reset button in your life and give yourself a fresh new beginning, then do yourself and your family a favor and attend the next Leadership Awakening. It's time the giant in you comes alive. Go to likeitmatters.net to find out more about Leadership Awakening workshops. That's likeitmatters.net. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am Mr. Black, your blessed radio host, your radio life caddy. And today, we are talking about it's the narrative stupid. I'm not calling you stupid. I'm just using a play on words. During Bill Clinton's election or re-election, I don't remember which one, his motto was, it's the economy, stupid. If today we were to put a motto on today's political world, it's the hatred, stupid, because everybody just wants to hate on Trump and hate on anybody that doesn't hate Trump. And so we're talking about the narrative. It does not matter what happens to us in life. What matters is how do we remember it. Remember, the remember is just like Mr. Potato Head. Every time we put arms and legs and a head on Mr. Potato Head's eyes, we are remembering Mr. Potato Head. It's the narrative. What we believe is what we tell ourselves over and over and over. And some people have a pound of flesh. And with the passing of Stephen Hawking, I kind of figured, you know, today, uh, you know, he's got to be an angry person. That's why he hated God. I figured, why did he hate God? If you'd read any of his writing, you'd tell he refused to believe in God. He hated God. And I got this from the DailyMail.com. It said, Stephen Hawking's second ex-wife today said his death, age 76, would have been a relief for her former husband. The scientist who inspired millions around the world passed away at home in Cambridge this morning, more than 50 years after he was given just two years to live. Now, you can look at it differently. The suffering, whatever. He had 48 additional years. Sounds like Hezekiah. Hezekiah was given 15 years. He was pronounced that he was dying. I think it was Isaiah that told that. But uh, God gave him 15 more years. Uh, and that might not have been good because after that 15 years, Hezekiah, who took over after him, was one of the worst kings that ever happened. Ever happened. Uh, so if he would have uh, died 15 years earlier, would have been a better king. And who knows? That's why we can't play the it, what, what what might have been game. What might again? Now, uh, his second wife, Elaine, his former nurse whom he married in 1995 but divorced in 2006, has also said he proposed to her twice after they split up following allegations she had attacked him. Speaking from her home in Chipping Camden, uh, 
Gloucestershire today. She said his death was a relief for him. He was the love of my life. I very reluctantly had to let go of him. He proposed to me twice after our divorce because he couldn't quite cope with it. I know his first wife uh, likes to put me down, but we had 22 years together, which was wonderful. For us, our marriage was loving. People didn't like it, and they tore us apart. Professor Hawking's death has sparked an outpouring of grief across the world. His children visited his home today, and in a statement, Lucy, Robert, and Tim said, We are deeply saddened that our beloved father passed away today. He was a great scientist, extraordinary man whose work and legacy will live on for many years. And the question is, what legacy? What is that legacy? To put man as God? Uh, to believe, uh, to get more people to believe that there is no God? See, that's why I started this show. If you haven't listened to it, if you missed it, go to likeitmattersradio.com and you can listen to the whole thing. It's replayed in its entirety. You can also go to iTunes and 5 to 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, this radio show is replayed every day. But I want to remind you about Maude Muller. That's how I started the show. They're, they're all connected. I know my mind moves all over. Beautiful mind, right, Mr. Hawking? Beautiful mind, right, uh, Mr. Hawking? Beautiful mind. Maud Muller is a poem from 1856 written by John Greenleaf Whittier. It is about a beautiful maid named Maud Muller. One day while harvesting hay, she meets a judge from the local town. Each is smitten with each other. The judge thinks that he would like to be a local farmer married to Maud, while she thinks that she would like to be the wealthy judge's wife. Neither voices these thoughts, however, and both the judge and the maid move on. The judge marries a woman of wealth whose love for him is based only on his riches. Mon Muller marries a young, uneducated farmer. And throughout the rest of their lives, each remembers the day of their meeting and remorsefully reflects on what might have been. This poem contains a well-known quotation. You've probably heard this before. For all, of all sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these it might have been. And i got to believe that was a majority of his life, of Stephen Hawking's life is that quote, for all sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these it might have been. Now the reason I brought this up is because there's another poem written about this one. Whittier's younger contemporary, Bret Hart, wrote a short parody and sequel to the poem entitled Miss Judge Jenkins, which mocks Whittier's conclusion by having Maud marry the judge after all. With far more disastrous results, Maud's relatives get drunk in the wedding, while Maud herself grows broad and red and stout after giving birth to her twins. Both eventually come to regret their marriage, Maud because she finds the judge's emphasis on knowledge boring, while the judge bemoans Maud's lack of refinement and social skills. Isn't that powerful? I mean, when you understand that, it's so powerful. All those things that might have been never work out that way. So here's the poem, Miss Judge Jenkins. Maud Muller, all that summer day, raked the meadows sweet with hay. Yet looking down the distant lane, she hoped the judge would come again. But when he came with smile and bow, Maud only blushed and stammered, ha-ow, and spoke of her paw and wondered whether she'd give consent they should wed together. Old Muller burst into tears and then begged that judge would lend him ten. For trade was dull and wages low and the craps this year were somewhat slow. And ere the languid summer died, sweet Maud became the judge's bride. But on the day that they were mated, Maud's brother Bob was intoxicated. And Maud's relations, twelve in all, were very drunk in the judge's hall. And when the summer came again, the young bride bore him babies twain. 
And the judge was blessed, but thought it strange that bearing children made such a change. For Maud grew broad and red and stout, and the waist that his arm once clasped about was more than he now could span, and he sighed as he pondered ruefully how that which in Maud was native grace in Miss Jenkins was out of place, and thought of the twins and wished that they looked less like the men who raked the hay on Muller's farm and dreamed with pain of the day he wandered down the lane. And looking down that jury track, he half regretted that he came back for had he waited, he might have wed some maiden fair and thoroughbred. For there be woman fair as she, whose verbs and nouns do more agree. Alas for maiden, alas for judge, add the sentimental, that's one half fudge. For Maud soon thought the judge a bore, with all his learning and all his lore, and the judge would have bartered Maud's fair face for more refinement and social grace. If of all the words of tug and pen the saddest are, it might have been. More sad are these we daily see. It is, but had not to be. <coughs> Excuse me. Wow. That's powerful. Sorry, I got a coughing pen. You can think that you got it all figured out and your plans are better than God's plans. But, you know, there's an old song out there that says, Thank God for all the unanswered prayer. And so you have, uh, you know, Stephen Hawking, who got a disease at 21, was supposed to be dead, and for the rest of his life had a lot of bitterness and anger towards God, so much that I refused to believe in him. But let me tell you about another woman, Joni Erickson Tata. A diving accident in 1967 left Johnny Erickson Tata a quadriplegic in a wheelchair. Today, she's an internationally known uh, mouth artist, a talented vocalist, a radio host, an author of 17 books, and an advocate for disabled persons worldwide. There's an audio story where you can listen to Joni Erickson Tata. She tells her story, uh, and it's really about God's design in her paralysis. And then all this information, this is what Joni's done with her life so far since she's been refined, uh, confined to a wheelchair at 17 years old. Joni and Friends International Disability Center is an organization accelerating Christian ministry in the disability community throughout the world. The center's programs include Joni and Friends, a daily five-minute radio program that reaches over one million listeners a week. Family retreats for hundreds of special needs families across the United States. I have some good friends in Minneapolis, uh, the Hypels. And uh, uh, they, they they work with the Joni's group, and they've been on those retreats and spoke about it and how powerful it is. So incredible. Mavis and Rick Heipel, I hope you're listening. Uh, God bless you both. She also has an organization called Wheels for the World, which has provided 34,000 refurbished wheelchairs to needy disabled individuals in developing nations. Joni and Friends Field Service provides training and resources to promote church ministry to those affected by disability and those who can help. Joni's best-selling and award-winning works covers a wide range of topics and include a Christmas longing, the life and death dilemma, heaven, your real home, the God I love, and two books co-authored by Steve Estes, When God Weeps, Why Our Suffering Matters to Almighty, and A Step Further. Joni and her husband, Ken, have been married since 1982. Did you hear that? 35 years, 36 years. Ken retired from 30 years of teaching in 2004 and ministers alongside Joni as they travel across the country and around the world. And then I got this from ChristianBooks.com. It's from the book Joni, An Unforgettable Story. It says, in a split second on a hot July afternoon, a diving accident transformed the life of Joni Erickson Tata forever. She went from being an active young woman to facing every day in a wheelchair. 
In this unforgettable autobiography, Joni reveals each step of her struggle to accept her disability and discover the meaning of her life. The hard-earned truths she discovered and the special ways God reveals his love are testimonies to face triumph over hardship and suffering. And then there's a DVD called Joni. And here's what it says about the, on the DVD. She was young, vital, just 17 when it happened. Joni snapped her neck in a diving accident that left her paralyzed. The months that followed were filled with great physical and emotional and spiritual struggles for her. In this DVD, Joni recreates for you uh, on film her joys and sorrows, her fears and victories, and above all, her faith in the wisdom and certain blessings of a loving Heavenly Father. You know, it sounds very similar. Except the difference is the narrative. The way Joni Erickson Tata took her disability, the terrible thing that happened, and the way that Stephen Hawking took his terrible dilemma, terrible tragedy that happened, they were two different ways. The way they explained it to themselves over those 50-some years is totally different. That's why today on Like It Matters Radio, the topic of today's show is called It's the Narrative, Stupid. Life is rough. Life is unfair. Life is hard. The good book says that. But it doesn't matter what happens to us in life, ladies and gentlemen. What matters is the narrative, how we frame it, how we reframe it, how we explain it to ourselves, how we remember it over and over and over. I am Mr. Black, and we'll be back in three minutes. Yes, I did it. Thank you, Mr. Black. Are those your grades for this semester? They sure are. All A's and one B. But what about your learning disability and your struggles in school? Not since I got my brain map done at Like It Matters. I now know how I best learn and the unique way that God made me. No more learning disability. You are unique. Nobody has your fingerprints and nobody is wired exactly like you. We now have the ability to show you God's fingerprints for your life through yours. The unique print on each of your fingers is a duplicate of the neural pathway in that corresponding lobe of your brain. With our exclusive brain map, we can capture your fingerprints and give you a 35-page map of your brain, your gifts, talents, and innate resources. This information is the key to unlocking your God-given potential and truly living your life like it matters. If you're ready to maximize the potential you were created with, email Mr. Black at likeitmattersradio.com or call 817-502-1554. Consider Montessori, an educational model that is founded on the premise that all children are natural learners with curiosity. Hand-in-hand Christian Montessori specializes in one-to-one learning instead of one-size-fits-all. Montessori activities work with children's hands and minds at the precise, critical period of a child's development. I'm learning to be a leader by helping younger students in my classroom. Learning is so much better when it's hands-on. At Hand in Hand, I get to make my own choices. Schedule a tour now at Hand in Hand Christian Montessori, where preschool, elementary, junior high, private school, homeschool students love, learn, and lead. Call 651-784-7988 or go to hihcm.org. Better, 
I've been to training put on by Tony Robbins and Zig Ziglar, but I've never walked away with a growth experience like I did with the Leadership Awakening. Are you stuck in a rut? Have you leveled life's undulating line and flatlined your hopes and dreams? The time is now to attend Leadership Awakening with Mr. Black. Not since my Ranger training in the U.S. Army have I been pushed to see and feel the abilities I have to live life to the fullest. During this three-day life boot camp, you will clean up your thinking and restart your heart, helping you have the passion and enthusiasm your life's been missing. My heart was spiritually mended. I'm excited about living my life like it matters. By far the best 46 hours I've ever spent. Graduates leave Leadership Awakening refocused with the biggest feeling of self-confidence and a renewed passion and enthusiasm for their business and their personal lives. Call now and commit to giving and getting more from life. 817-502-1554 or email me at mr.black at likeitmatters.net. That's mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. If you miss any of this radio show, you can go to likeitmattersradio.com, likeitmattersradio.com, and you can listen to the replay. Uh, you can also go to iHeartRadio, and on their app, just query Wellness Radio 1570, Wellness Radio 1570. Every Monday through Friday, this radio program plays from 9 to 10 a.m. Central Standard Time and replays from 5 to 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And today we're talking about it's the narrative, stupid. I am reminding you, it does not matter what happens to us in life. What matters is the narrative. What matters is how we explain it to ourselves. What matters is how we remind ourselves, how we remember it. Remember, every time we put arms and legs, nose and eyes, a hat on Mr. Potato Head, every time we did that, we remembered him. And if you remember history, you probably know of a man called Pierce, Franklin Pierce. He is one of our former presidents of the United States. He was actually the 14th president of the United States. And why does that matter? Because the most famous of all of our presidents, it could either be number one or number 16, but pretty close. And so let me tell you a little bit about Franklin Pierce. Two months before Franklin Pierce became president, his family having already lost two children to typhus, was involved in a train wreck in which their only other surviving child, 13-year-old Benjamin, was crushed to death. Jane Pierce believed the accident was a punishment from God for her husband's acceptance of the presidency. As a result, Pierce chose to affirm his oath of office on a law book rather than the Bible. Traditionally, presidents who were sworn into office would raise their right hand and place their left hand on the Bible. The right hand typically represents authority, so this might be why the right hand is raised. The vast majority of the U.S. presidents in the past have placed their hand on the Bible when being sworn in, including George Washington. But some presidents, Teddy Roosevelt was one of them, didn't use the Bible. Neither did John Quincy Adams and Franklin Pierce. Instead, what they did is they placed their left hand on a law book with the insinuation that they were swearing an oath to the U.S. Constitution. Recently, by the way, even Barack Obama, who I don't believe has the same Christian values I do, uh, I don't believe that he believes that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. Uh, I don't believe that. And so even Barack Obama took the presidential oath of office on two different Bibles and used the same Bible that Abraham Lincoln used in his inauguration, but also Martin Luther King Jr.'s Bible. However, not every president swears by the Bible or uses it during their inauguration. So let me tell you a little bit about Franklin Pierce. Franklin Pierce. 
uh, born November 23rd, 1804, to October 8th. 1869, was the 14th president of the United States. Pierce was a northern Democrat who saw the abolitionist movement as fundamental threat to the Union Nation. In other words, they wanted to abolish slavery, and back then the Democrats weren't interested. Cracks me up right now. The Democratic Party, uh, the African-American community is in the Democratic Party because it is Lincoln, it is the Republicans who gave, uh, who freed the slaves, it was Republicans who gave women the right to vote. It, again, it doesn't matter what truth is, it doesn't matter what history is, don't you get it? All that matters is the narrative. That's all that matters. People don't respond to reality. They don't respond to the truth. What they respond to is their map reality, what they believe to be true. And if you say something long enough over and over and over and over, people start believing it because a lot of people are just drones. They don't think for themselves. By virtually any measurement, Pierce was a pretty sad president. Matter of fact, he's considered, quote, the sad president. There wasn't much enthusiasm for him at the outset. It took the Democratic Party 49 ballots, 49, to nominate him in 1852. And by the way, Pierce was a last-minute choice to mollify various factions feuding over what else? Slavery. He was elected in a landslide, but mainly because the Whig candidate, War of 1812 General Winfield Scott, was totally checked out. Pierce was an affable man, a good public servant, and popular politician from New Hampshire. When he got to the White House, he found himself totally in over his head. Most people don't realize this, but Pierce's personal life was very sad. To say that his wife, Jane Appleton, had some issues is like saying today's Congress is a little dysfunctional. Franklin loved her very much, but she was dour, pious, fidgety, and had several health problems, severe health problems. She hated politics and continually nagged her husband to quit. When he told her he'd been nominated in 1852, she fainted. Two of her sons died young, the first only a few days old and the second of typhus at age four. Then there was Bernie. This was Pierce's surviving son, age 11 at the time his father was elected president. In January 1853, as the president-elect and his family were traveling on a train through Andover, Massachusetts, an axle broke on the train and the car slid down the hill. When it crashed to a halt, Benny Pierce was hideously killed, almost decapitated. Franklin and Jane watched the whole thing. It was only six weeks before Franklin's term of office was set to begin. So think about this, ladies and gentlemen. With three dead sons, a grieving and melancholy wife, a country horribly divided over the issue of slavery, and possibly his own case of PTSD as a result of the train crash, Franklin Pierce entered the White House in March of 1853. His wife refused to act as first lady. She rarely left her room in the White House and stayed up writing letters to Benny's spirit. Franklin, never a stranger to alcohol, began to drink even more. Matter of fact, Ulysses S. Grant, who spent most of the Civil War in his failure-ridden term of office with cigar in one hand and a glass of whiskey in the other, usually gets credit for being our hardest-drinking president. There is considerable evidence, however, that Pierce outdid him in every category. Every category. Matter of fact, upon leaving office in 1857, Pierce is believed to have said to someone asking what he was going to do now, he said, quote, there's nothing left to do but get drunk. See, ladies and gentlemen, bitter man, hated God, wouldn't even put his hand on the Bible. And that's why I believe, that's why, you know, today as we uh, celebrate, I guess, the life of Stephen Hawking, you know, he was bitter against God. I get it. He was 50 years uh, crippled. 
only supposed to live two years when he's diagnosed at 21. But then you get someone like Johnny Erickson Tata, who again had everything going for her, 17 cripples herself. One chooses to hate God and lead other people away from God. The other chooses to make sense out of what took place and lead people to a closer relationship to a God that she loves. What's the difference? Both had terrible things happen. Both had life treat them unfairly. The difference was, and this is the only difference, is the narrative. What they were told inside their head over and over and over. Matter of fact, take a listen to this one. You decide, is this person a success or a failure? And I could give you a whole list of people. Is this person a success or failure? Really easy to figure out, you know? Uh, would you call Sam Walton a success or failure? Would you call um, Mary Kay a success or failure? Would you call Colonel Sanders a success or failure? And most of these people never had any success before they were 50 years old. So tell me, is this person a success or failure? In 1816, as a child, his family was forced out of their home. He had to work to support them. In 1818, his mother died just two years later. Three years after that, he failed in business. Eleven years after that, he ran unsuccessfully for his first office for state legislature and lost. That same year, he lost his job and was denied entrance into law school. The next year, he borrowed money from a friend to go into business, and within one year, he was bankrupt and out of business. He spent the next 17 years of his life paying off his debt. Two years later, his college sweetheart, his fiance, died. One year later, he had a nervous breakdown and spent six months in bed. Two years later, he lost his bid to become Speaker of the State Legislature. Two years after that, he lost in his bid to become elector. Three years after that, he lost in his bid for a congressional seat. Five years after that, he lost in a bid for re-election to a congressional seat he won a year after that. Think about this. In 1849, he lost his bid for the small job of land officer in his home state. Five years later, he lost his bid for U.S. Senate. Two years later, he lost his bid for vice president nomination for his party. He received less than 100 votes. Two years after that, he again lost a bid for U.S. Senate. And then two years later, he was elected president of the United States. He was the 16th president, just 10 years roughly after Franklin Pierce. His name, Abraham Lincoln. And Abraham Lincoln, you would not consider a failure, just like you wouldn't consider Thomas Edison a failure, even though somewhere between 1,000 and 10,000 times he, quote, failed to produce the incandescent light bulb. That's what I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen. That's what today's show is all about. It's the narrative, stupid. It does not matter what happens to us in life. What matters is how we explain it to ourselves, what we tell ourselves over and over and over. And that's why I tell some of you it's not political. You need to turn off CNN. You need to turn off MSNBC. Because the narrative, the hatefulness, the bitterness, and now the hatefulness is this uncontrolled fire. The, the Bible calls it the root of bitterness, strife. The Bible even says where there's strife, then every other sin is present. There's a bitter root, and we got to clean it up. And so mindfulness, tomorrow I'm going to really go in depth on this thing called mindfulness and how we need to control our thinking, control what goes on in our head, in our heart. That is the key to life. It's not what happens to us, ladies and gentlemen, that makes us who we are. It's how we deal with it. That's where I can help you. Go to likeitmatters.net, likeitmatters.net, and let me help you clean up your thinking. You are under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. I am Mr. Black, helping you to be more hopeful about your future and reminding you, when you live your life like it matters, it does. 
of business and finance is constantly changing. How are you keeping up with all the information? Most likely, you're not. Checking websites, writing emails, making phone calls, checking more websites, and still not finding what you need to know. But it has to be out there somewhere. Well, it is. Business 1440 is your on-air guide through the fast-paced business landscape. What you want to know, when you want to know it. Up-to-the-minute business and financial news on Business 1440. Stream online at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. Hey, Jan, your favorite cooking show is on. The, the one with the mystery box challenge. Oh, I love that one. If you've ever wanted to be on a cooking show, you'll enjoy this half-off deal from Chop Room. For just $900, you'll receive a $1,800 voucher from Chop Room in Minneapolis. It includes a private event for up to 20 people in a cooking challenge, just like on TV. This is a perfect gift for a family gathering, team building, or bachelorette party. To take advantage of this deal, call us at 651 651- Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.